Welcome to ACC Nation. That's Will. I'm Jim. And our special guest, the publisher of Wahoos 24-7, Jackie Franchuli, is joining us. And thank you for coming on and talking a little bit about the ACC. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Let's uh, let's talk about um, this homecoming of sorts for Bronco Mendenhall, BYU mm. and UVA. That's that's the most immediate thing on everybody's mind. Right. Uh, Odds makers open with BYU as a, uh, a one point favorite. It's up to two and a half now. Boy, big you know, big numbers. <laughs> um, the game point total over under is sixty three and a half. So I would say that everybody is anticipating a shootout. Let's let's hear your thoughts on what to expect out of this game that's coming up. You know, when I, I looked at this game and I'm looking at the matchups, I'm thinking I could see where people see there's going to be a shootout, especially when you look at how Virginia's defense has been playing. They've been in this mentality of we're going to bend but not break. So they're, you're going to expect points when you have that mentality. Um, but then I saw what BYU did last week where the offense didn't have the best of games and their rushing game, which has been what many have said is going to be a strength, hasn't been quite as efficient the last few games for them either. So I could see where in a situation where Virginia comes out quickly um, and doesn't stutter, I could see Virginia being able to control the game and BYU not being able to keep up with the offensive shootout. Um, That's if UVA really comes up quickly in that situation. Now, the flip side, I can see BYU establishing that run game since we all know UVA's defense struggles against the run. And then that could be a, the other side of the story, and we can end up having a shootout. I think that's the key here. UVA needs to start quickly to kind of lead the game and then force BYU to make mistakes, you know, forcing them to go in the air, and then that's where you get more of the mistakes. So I, I could see why this is such a close game, and that's why the spread is so close, because you, you're relying on UVA to start quickly, which hasn't been their forte very well in, in this last you know, few years. So um, one of the things, and, and we'll get into a little more detail here, but uh, one of the things that strikes me right up front, Jackie, is the um, we're talking about a, a, a defense and offense that uh, defense on BYU's part offense on UVA's part that neither team really has seen the likes of. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, and I think you just, I think you just laid it out there. If UVA can come out early and strike and Mm -hmm. and keep running that score up, it's going to be entertaining to say the least. Is there a particular area that you see on the offense of UVA uh, that is a weak point for BYU. Well, honestly, when you have a quarterback like Brennan Armstrong, I feel like you <laughs> could just attack the secondary. I think that at this point, when you look at any game, you're just going to say, well, you know what? I, on paper, it might be not be their weakest, but when you have a guy like Brennan Armstrong throwing the ball in those tight windows like he is to guys like Dontavian Wicks, Keaton Thompson, um, Billy Kemp, all those guys. I'll just, you know, I'll just say that that's their strength and they can attack the BYU secondary. Um, I think the key to this game is going to be getting out early. And then honestly, what I loved 
in that Georgia Tech game was that they were able to run the ball. Uh, that was the most rushing yards since last season's game against Boston College in the ACC in the ACC conference game for these guys. And that was great. And that's what happens when you have a balanced attack. You're able to control the ball a little bit better. And you're able to do those explosive plays. And Brendan Armstrong looked great. His knee looked healthy. And I think that's what you, a way to beat BYU and also keep them off the field a little longer so your defense can take a breather, especially because in the altitude, you're also having that to factor in. So I think, uh, yeah, honestly, just give Brendan Armstrong free reign here. He's, he's having a remarkable season. Um, I am shocked that he hasn't been receiving much national attention, but honestly, I just came from covering the Florida Gators and it took Kyle Trask. I don't know how many games for people to even put him in the Heisman conversation when I was covering them. So it takes a few, uh, nudges for the national media to see a quarterback doing well. So you, you gave me the perfect intro there and which is just ideal before I pass this off to Will, uh, saw in USA today, uh, that. Brennan Armstrong is on a list of people who are being talked about as a Heisman Trophy candidate, and he was number eight on that list, which is new. He has not, as you have pointed out, has not been getting the publicity or the recognition maybe that uh, he deserves for, for everything he's been doing. Will? Well, let's be real here. The game kicks off at 1015. So we need entertaining to keep us, you know, awake for that. <laughs> but you talked, Jackie, you talked about the uh, Brennan Armstrong running the ball. And obviously he's, a, he seems a lot healthier now uh, coming off of that knee injury against Illinois. Mm -hmm. Could we see those gaudy pass numbers come down a little bit with him, you know, being more of a runner? No, I think you're going to see a good mix and a good balance. I think Robert and I is going to see, well, when you have receivers like Dontavian Wicks and Keaton Thompson kind of have the ability to get up and get those balls and they're still having issues in the red zone, although they did a little bit better against Georgia Tech, they're still having some issues making consistency in that red zone. And when you have guys like Jelani Woods, that's going to be your, your threat. Um, so I could see still, you know, Ren Armstrong having those body numbers, maybe not 500 yards of passing, but, I mean, 300 is pretty decent for a game. So I think you're going to still see him. I, I just don't think you're going to see Gotti numbers as far as how many pass attempts he's going to have. I think those are going to be the numbers that go down. But he's doing such a good job of picking his receivers and going for those big explosive plays. And his wide receivers, Coach Higgins has done an amazing job with these receivers. Um, you, you know, just seeing the development that he's been able to have in that room throughout the years. So I think you're just still going to see that. The only thing you're going to see is you're going to see a more balanced offense that's going to be able to stay on the field longer. So you might have an ability to not have all these shootouts and have all these, you know, I talked to Brendan Armstrong's mom and she was saying like, these kids are just giving me heart palpitations watching my son and having him to come back. I talked to her shortly after the Louisville game. And she's saying my son just keeps getting me stressed out. So hopefully they don't do that to their parents anymore. But um, yeah, I could see their numbers just coming down a little bit as far as pass attempts, but I wouldn't, I would be shocked if the nine takes that away because honestly, that is what Brennan Armstrong strength is. You're going to have him because then the defense are going to keep them honest. Now, Brennan Armstrong can, you know, go away and go for a 20 yard dash, or he can kill you and get you a 30 yard touchdown. So it, I, I would be shocked if a nine switched that up. 
you touched on something I actually wanted to get into a little later, but we might as well bring it up. But now it's just the coaching staff. You know, I mean, Marcus Higgins did an outstanding job of developing the receivers. Garrett Tujay on the offensive line, Jason Beck, you know, with the quarterbacks, we've seen, you know, Bryce Perkins go from Juco kid to the NFL and Brennan Armstrong seems to uh, be on that same trajectory. Do you get a, a sense when you talk to recruits that they since they noticed the development of the Virginia offense? So after this last game against Georgia Tech, I made an effort to only really talk to offensive recruits because I, I was kind of curious about that, especially because on Monday in particular, um, Bronco Mendenhall was asked about Brennan Armstrong's work and how you're seeing all his numbers pay off. And he did a, he had a great answer. And it was just literally you put it on a wall, frame it and do as your recruiting pitch every single time a quarterback comes to visit you. You know, he was saying that Anai and Beck have done this, not just for Brennan Armstrong, they did it with Kurt Benkart and Bryce Perkins. These are, you know, it's kind of funny. I was talking to uh, my husband who's not really interested in football. So he, I don't know why he keeps talking to me about these things, but I was telling him um, it's funny because Kurt came in, he broke UVA records. Then Bryce Perkins came in and broke Kurt's records that broke UVA records. And now we have Brennan Armstrong that broke Bryce's records or worked Kurt's records. So Jason Beck's going to be, are you going to come in here and break Brennan Armstrong's record? So you're going to be number one in UVA. So that's a great recruiting pitch. And honestly, that's what I've been hearing. I talked to Walker White, a, a quarterback um, out of Little Arkansas, who came to visit for the Duke game. So when they won 48 to nothing, and he had plenty of things to say about that. Um, he, he loved the fact that he can tell that Jason Beck can develop quarterbacks. He, he already knows. He says, I can see it in his resume. I can see it with my own eyes. I can see what Brendan Armstrong is able to do. But what was interesting in talking to him was he also mentioned the offensive line development. He said, I can see the O-lines developing well. So if I come to UVA, not only will I develop well, but the guys in front of me will develop well. So that means I'll be protected. So recruits are taking notice of how this offense is being developed. And then you've got, you know, several wide receivers who I talked to, a couple of them from the 757 area, which, you know, it's an area that UVA is really trying to get back to getting that hold and keeping kids in state. And they're noticing Dontavian Wicks. They're noticing Keaton Thompson. You know, these guys are saying, you know, like, hey, not only are they developing wide receivers well, but they're developing quarterbacks that can pass me the ball. Because at the end of the day, they're not just looking at their own position. They're looking at the other position. So, yeah, for sure. Like this week, I've talked to four or five different recruits that have told me the exact same thing. They're, they're If they're wide receivers, they mentioned the quarterback and the wide receivers. And if they're quarterbacks, they mentioned the O-line and the quarterback. So recruits are taking notice. Now, this is, this is a great opportunity for UVA just to build momentum with that. Show them film. Show them like, hey, this is Brendan Armstrong in high school. This is Brendan Armstrong in year one as a starter. This is Brendan Armstrong right now. Show them that path because honestly, we can talk about facilities. We can talk about uniforms. I remember the Oregon uniforms was a big deal. You can talk about all those things. Film doesn't lie. Good point. Um, how much fun is it to watch Keaton Thompson on the football field? It, I just amazed at some of the things he can, he, he's been able to do out there. Oh man, it's, it's incredible. Um, I'm actually working on a long form feature on him and I was talking to his mom and uh, she, she joked that she just wants to put him in bubble wrap uh, <laughs> because, you know, he's went through, he's been through a lot, you know, for, for a guy who came out of college, he committed to Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson in Mississippi state. He went to three head coaches at Mississippi state and then he transferred over to UVA. 
and you know there's a four-star recruit out of new orleans and he just you know he, he had a lot of dreams and when he came to uva uh he hurt himself during the quarterback battle and to see what he's been able to do with that the football player position is quite incredible i think um you know we all look at his stats i think he's one of the the top players in the country for his rushing yard for how much rushing yards and receiving yards he has. I think he's one of the few players who have that high amount. Um, he's such a talent. And, you know, I, I like there was one day, I think it was the Miami game. He did this one handed catch and I'm thinking that man just caught that ball with his cast hand. And I'm like, how did you, how did you keep that? And then he got tackled on top of that. Um, but I think what really intrigues me about Keaton Thompson is his attitude and you know there was one play actually it's the Miami game again he was on the opposite of the field and Brendan Armstrong was going in for a run he ran from one side of the field to the other to make the tackle to to make the block excuse me so Armstrong could get an extra five yards rushing that is the player that stands out because Keaton Thompson you can rave about all his stats it's all the dirty work he does that you don't talk about that's what makes him a better player in my mind um and I think you know I, I would be shocked if NFL scouts don't take notice of that as well I'm going to uh, uh go back a, a, a little bit for you take you back <clears throat> okay you've seen the ACC years ago you're seeing right. it now but in between you've seen the SEC right. so there's mindsets Talk to us about the mindset between the two conferences and, and if you can, <laughs> uh, tell us how the SEC views the ACC. Well, I, I can start with that one. Um, okay. the, the SEC has a certain confidence about them, maybe a little bit more of arrogance on them. Um, they do, they, they do feel like they're the best conference in the country and, uh, you know, I don't want to say they call the ACC the little brother, but that's kind of, they, they don't, they don't respect the ACC very much apart from Clemson. That that's very pretty much been the mentality of a lot of folks that I knew in the SEC. Um, I will say UVA gained a lot of respect in that orange bowl um, when they faced Florida, because they didn't just roll over and die. They, they competed and they did a really good job about it, especially when they didn't have a lot of their DBs. I remember they, they were short staffed on that secondary um and uh it was actually ironic because i know i did cover uva for a little bit before and i would warn people all the time like you guys are dismissing uva and i'm just i'm, I'm watching film like yeah, i don't know if i should dismiss bryce perkins especially with the way florida was defending dual threat quarterbacks at that point but um yeah so they they don't view the acc very very well apart from certain teams and even now you can tell with the college football playoff conversation they're even saying should a undefeated wake forest get in you can already tell that they're that they don't have the much respect for the conference. Although when you look at the SEC, sometimes you think Ellis, you know, what's going on in the SEC East and Pacific specifically. Um, as far as covering the ACC and the SEC, it is, it, there's certain things that are very different. Um, you know, I would say the fandom is, I want to say more passionate because all fan, fandoms are passionate, but the, you, they do have a shorter, you know, line. So shorter leash is the coaches will. So they, for example, you saw Ed Orgeron, um, he got fired and, you know, he was, you know, he just won the national title a few years ago. Um, there is a, a shorter leash on a, on the SEC and they do recruit a little differently, um, to put it mildly, but they also recruit different types of athletes as well. Something that I think UVA's 
UVA started to do that at wide receiver. You're seeing how Coach Higgins and them have really going after more physical and they're with bigger frames as far as wideouts. And that's something that I was seeing Florida do as well. Um, so that is I mean, offensively, I think what UVA is doing is what I was seeing with Florida as well. They're, you know, obviously you can't compare their recruitment because UVA has a lot more criteria that they're going after. You, when you're recruiting for UVA, you're dealing with admissions too. Um, although Florida has high admissions, you can't compare them to UVA and some of their criteria they're dealing with. So, but as far as physically and what frame they're looking for, both schools are actually going for the same type of guy right now. Um, and I could see that with the SEC. The only thing is their, their guys in the trenches are much bigger than the SEC. Um, and they're, they're bigger, but they're, the way they're built, they're still not losing speed. So that is the one thing that I've noticed. And I think a lot of the SEC schools have put in a lot of effort in nutrition and a lot of effort in their, their strength and conditioning programs. And that's also got to do with the, a lot of the resources that they have. Um, you know, covering University of Florida, they're tied to Gatorade a lot. So they have that much of those resources too. So I think the SEC is a further ahead in those aspects. Um, but the ACC is catching up. So, but yeah, I, I do see some things like that that are, that are very different between the conferences. It's, it's interesting to get that perspective. I, I appreciate you sharing that because it was an honest look from both sides. And I, I think spot on. I'm going to st completely stray here <clears throat> for a moment, which I often do. Um, not hard. <laughs> I have to ask you something. I, I, um, I have been studying slowly. So please don't throw anything past me here. Uh, <laughs> Spanish. And um, I was told because I was initially interested in learning Portuguese. Okay. I was told don't even go there because it is a very difficult language to learn. So <clears throat> I'm looking through YouTube and who is just whipping through Portuguese. <laughs> and, and it was like, I'm going like, Okay, there's a story. I want to hear it. Sure. So my my mom's actually from Brazil. So my oh, okay. mom is from Brazil, and my dad's from Italy. And actually, Portuguese is my first language. So, um, so we 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 speak it. We speak Portuguese at home with my family, gotcha. and uh, I speak Portuguese a little with my kids. So, um, so yes, that's where uh, Portuguese comes from. So it's it's not a, not too big of a story, but yeah, my my mom is from there, and. Uh, we actually from we they moved to Miami, Florida. So we're you know all all the melting pot goes there. But yeah, gotcha. um, it's interesting because my husband my my husband's you know from here from Virginia and his family's from Alabama and Virginia. So he started picking up a few words of Portuguese. But yeah, a lot of the, I would agree with what people told you. Portuguese is one of the hardest language to learn. But the good thing about if you know Portuguese, you understand all the other Romantic languages. Um, I've had friends who speak Spanish that can't pick up all Portuguese words, but those that speak Portuguese can pick most of Spanish and most of, for example, my dad's from Italy. We can, I can understand mostly Italian so as well, and I could speak it a little bit. I haven't spoken it in a while, but been able to speak in it because of Portuguese, because that's still fresh in my mind. Interesting. So it was worth me asking the story. I, I, I like that. So, and that leads <laughs> to the next thing that I always ask about. And that's food. Okay. Since, since now that you've, you've told me that you have that Brazilian background and also Italy, um, what type of, of foods are you uh, like the most and that, that you absolutely must have? 
oh wow that, that I love food um <laughs> I, you have to love food when you're coming from my family um like Christmas is one of the best times of the year for us we like whatever you hear about you know Italian um Christmas Eve dinners is is accurate but what my mom used to do is she would mix Brazilian food and Italian food so we always have the big porchetta the big pig like literally the pigs on the dining room table wow. um we would have homemade pasta we would have these pies that had all these type of meats so like a uh, cut up prosciutto cut up prosciutto cut up a uh, coppa all in this uh pie um but some of my favorite foods too is like not even holiday related my mom there's always you know every latin culture has black beans and rice so my mom would make something called feijoada which is black beans and rice but it does like dried meat in it too mm-hmm. So she would always make that uh, on a Sunday. And then she would always make a uh, steak, but the cut of steak in, is a Brazilian cut. We, we call it Brazilian cut because they use all the part of the cow, all the part of the pig, and it's called the sterling soy, the picanha. You can get it in any one of those. Um, it's called a churrasqueria, those like Texas de Brazil that come bring you the meats on the stick. Um, she would do that on their grill outside. Even if like my parents live in Canada now, and she would go outside in the middle of a snowstorm with her jacket and will still grill this outside because it can't be done inside. This is this is quality meat. She's like, no, I'm not going to waste my money. This is going to be grilled. Um, she does that with black beans and rice, the feijoada. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably, my mom would always joke uh, growing up in Brazil, that was the cheapest meal. You pay like uh, maybe like $10 for it if you convert the currency. And now she says, I go to shoot ask it and I pay $50 for a meal, but that was one of the cheapest meals for her growing up. Um, so yeah, that's, 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 that's what we eat. We eat black beans and rice and meat. And then whenever um, my dad takes control of the menu, uh, it's either like the, the big monstrous pig or some good pasta. Um, but I don't like sweet pasta sauces. It's like my pet peeve is when this pasta sauce is sweet. Cause um, my, my husband would add a little bit of sugar in it. I'm like, why are you adding sugar? Um, so, um, yeah, so my, this my, it has to be, I like spicier, um, pasta sauces or, um, like white pasta sauces are my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, wow. Hey, Will, I know whose house we need to be invited to <laughs> at some point. <laughs> I, hope, I, I wish my son wasn't as a picky of eater. My daughter loves eating everything, but my son, <laughs> he like chooses chicken nuggets over, you know, the, the pasta that I made, and I'm like, it breaks my heart. <laughs> I was going to say that uh, for the record, I have grilled with a jacket on, maybe not nothing that exquisite. It's more like hamburgers, but you know, I try to fit in with my, with my, you know, Minnesota culture here. So, <laughs> but uh, let me, let me stray back to, to football and yeah. I mean, to be perfectly honest, the, the defense has not been very good, but the, the, the strong spot, even going back to, you know, when you were covering the, who's the first time has always been linebacker. And mm-hmm. yeah, even with this, even this year, it's still pretty good. And, and even seeing some of the first years, like West weeks, for example, someone that come to mind, how is it that this team could just consistently develop linebackers like this? Well, they're doing a <coughs> Well, they're doing a good job recruiting these guys and identifying these guys. You know, I, I actually did a story on that today. Um, I asked Bronco, so I do something every Sunday where I sit down with my subscribers and I rewatch the game. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I noticed was Deshaun Perry's last rush to the Jeff Sims in that Georgia Tech game. And, you know, I actually covered Deshaun Perry's recruitment because Florida was kind of sniffing around him towards the end of his recruitment. Um, but he was committed to UVA. And 
I remember him and I was like, he's going to be, he was going to be a project in the SEC, but he's going to do well in the ACC and just seeing that progression and what he's done. And I think it's just the way their defensive scheme just works for linebackers. And again, this Kelly Popinga has done a great job developing at the end of the day, you know, I've, I've covered coaches that bring in talent and don't know how to develop them. Um, you know, I covered Jim McElwain at Florida and it was frustrating to see some of the talent that he would bring and you wouldn't see, you wouldn't see the trajectory that you expect. And these were four or five star athletes. And you see what Kelly Pompinga has done during his tenure here at UVA. And I think that's, that's honestly the difference is that he gets good recruits that fit the system and he's able to develop their talent. Um, I can't stress enough how much development is such a, a big key because I've seen the other side. I've seen four or five star guys fizzle out um, because they weren't developed properly. And um, I, I, you can see that at UVA that in that position, especially, it's not a problem. All right. So, I mean, the conversation could be going for a long time, but I know we only have so much time left for you. So we're going to transfer transition over to basketball real quick. And I just want to start with the uh, two incoming transfers that are uh, for this season. Jada Gardner, obviously from ECU. A lot of people are very high on him. Armand Franklin from Indiana, who looks to probably be a, a perfect fit for this team because he has you know, a background with the pack line at Indiana. So let's just start there. What are the, what are the trajectory for those two this season? You know, I was able to watch the scrimmage. Oh, gosh, was it two weeks ago now? Everything kind of gets so, over. yeah. Um, so Garner, um, I'm looking here in my notes. He had 18 points and he was seven for 12 shooting, four to six on free throws. Um, I really liked how they used him. They ran the offense a lot through him and he was a really good physical presence underneath the glass. And I think that was, that was really nice seeing that. This team is going to struggle from the three-point line and i think using gardner is going to be what they use i think the key for this team honestly is the guys in the, the second year guys third year guys those making those big leaps but having a guy like gardner and franklin there they're going to be able to kind of help you in that time of transition to get those guys you know better um but gardner was just such a physical guy i was really impressed by that i was really impressed by just his presence and what he was able to do for example he had i think it was one missed shot where it was he jumped up got hit the rim and he was right back up out muscled i can't remember who he was but out muscled the guy brought it down and went back up and cleaned up his own mess i think that's what i liked about that was that he had the presence of mind and the physicality to do that and honestly in the acc you're going to need that um I, I think uva is going to be able to do much with him especially in the beginning when, because right now there's a lot of question marks offensively on this team. So I think that would be the, the, the big thing, at least in the beginning of the season. So one of the other players I'm very intrigued by, and I hope he can, he, he stays healthy the entire season is Caden Shedrick. I mean, he has a lot of talent, uh, but obviously between getting sick multiple times last year, it just was kind of a rough season. But I think when you talk about, this the, the way this offense is going to flow he's going to be he's going to need to be very you know healthy and you know be productive because i feel like he he could be in for a big big year this year yeah no i agree i think shedrick is the one of the ones that i feel like needed needs a breakout season if uva wants to have a successful season i think you know if you look at this team 
I think you have a lot of question marks offensively, like I said. And I think Shedrick is one of those. If he can move to the next level, I think this team can compete for the ACC. Um, I think this team will have little less problems from offensively if he has more consistency to him um, and plays better defensively. I, I wasn't in the scrimmage. Again, I was covering SEC for such a long, so that was the first time I was seeing U of A basketball in person. And that was the one thing I was, I was wanting to see is what he could do defensively too. Because when I remember covering UVA, um, during, you know, I covered UVA during the Joe Harris era and, you know, so I covered them winning their first, I still remember telling London Francis that the last time that they won the AC championship, the gas was 36 cents a gallon. <laughs> um, so I remember back then, but I, I think UVA can compete for the AC regular season title and move on to the AC tournament. If Shendrick is one of those guys that steps up. Um, I, I really do think that they can compete with him. And I think just having more reps and having more, more comfortable defensively as well can really help. Okay. So let me ask you about one more player, um, mm-hmm. from the, from the, from that scrimmage and that's Reese Beekman. I feel like a lot of people are pegging him as being someone who could be a big, uh, a big contributor this year. Obviously we saw in his first year, he's already there defensively, but can he make that big step offensively? Sorry, you, you broke up there. I couldn't oh, hear the Sorry, question. sorry. Um, Reese Beekman and his offense. And can he be more of a factor on the offense this year? Yeah, um, I think he had, he was double figures in the scrimmage. I believe he had 17 or uh, 18 points. Um, he, when I saw him, I saw a player that had confidence um, when he was out there on the court. It looked like, a, like I don't want to, I hate using the word swagger, but he did have it. Um, It it was just, he was doing well. He was very confident. He was making plays on both sides of the ball. He just looked comfortable attacking the rim. Um, And he was really good at scoring on a fast break. Jackie, we want to thank you for coming on ACC Nation, talking a little bit about Virginia basketball, football, food, and Portuguese. (laughs) And roots. Hey, it's all good. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thanks, Jackie. Yeah, thank you very much, or obrigado. Thanks for joining us on ACC Nation. Follow us by subscribing on your favorite podcast or streaming radio platform and on YouTube. We'd appreciate a five-star rating while you're there. Visit our homepage at accnation.net and support us via PayPal. Keep up with the latest by following us on Google News. You can find ACC Nation on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Reddit, and Pinterest. Follow Will at WillsWorldMN, and I'm at ACC the Q. Cheers. Scored.